Good morning, everybody. Hope you're well today. Hope that, uh, yeah, the PowerPoint came up. Good job. I remembered where I put the remote. Another good job. I remembered, and I turned it on, so good. It's good to be here. We had a lot of fun yesterday, and I just want to thank you for being one of those churches that we can come to and have a great time, a good fellowship. Um, You guys are not work at all. Uh, You are casual and fun and interactive and uh, we just really appreciate you guys very much, uh, and uh, we, we, we loved it yesterday. We love coming over here. This church is a highlight for us. Uh, we don't get to come that often, but here we are, and so we're happy to serve you this morning. I brought my wife, Fran, up here to talk about the family a little bit, and we got, uh, you want the other picture, don't you? It doesn't matter. Okay. It doesn't matter, because these are the important ones, the grandchildren, right? <laughs> <laughs> But um, we are thankful for all that you guys do to put on this thing. All we have to do is come and put in the track, and you guys have everything set up, and you have people who will help us set it up and help us take stuff back out, and so it makes our job easy. And we're just so thrilled to share the gospel and for children to come to salvation. And um, we're praying for each one of our grandchildren to come to salvation, and we are thankful for each one of our children, and all of our children and grandchildren now live in the state of Michigan. So we're thankful for that. Our son, um, Ethan, was the last one to move to Michigan, and he moved from Virginia Beach to Munising. So from the warmth beach to... We're thankful to have them, and they not picture, and they say, oh, just so... So we'll get to see them in, in a week. They will enjoy the grandchildren and do ministry at the same time, which is always a blessing. And our youngest daughter and her husband moved to Allegan last year, so he's working in a church there. And so we're thankful to have those granddaughters back with up there with us. And um, then there's our son, Brett, who lives just around the corner from us. He was scared because we moved into the neighborhood and was afraid we were going to spy on him and spend too much time at his house. But guess who spends more time at whose house? Yeah. But um, we enjoy having them close, and we're just thankful for all of our grandchildren and our children that are seeking the Lord and living for him. All right. Thank you. So there's the other picture with everybody in it. And uh, the tall one is obviously the son-in-law. Yeah, the tall one is the son-in-law there. He married into shortness. Um, There was actually a New York Times story. No, I'm not going to tell you that. Um, I guess I have to now. They said that um, everybody should find a short partner and the population should get smaller and smaller because then we eat less food and our carbon footprint gets smaller and smaller. All right, so sorry, Pastor, if I got a little too political there, but that was actually a thing. Anyway, <clears throat> so you can see them there, and that's great. Um, we're, we're happy to be here today. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, what's going on with our, our ministry, and then I'm going to get into God's Word with you. Uh, if you remember from last time, I take my cues from the PowerPoint, and so I walk around and I look backwards a lot. I hope you're not offended. I'm not really turning my back to you. I'm just trying to see what's next. And uh, we're up to 36 churches in Michigan now, and so it's growing uh, 64 clubs, again, if you remember, uh, you have three clubs here, so you count for three on clubs, but only one on churches. That's how come the numbers are different. We average around 15 evangelistic events per year. One was here 
Uh, yesterday, we averaged, it's about a four-year track record since we've been back from Africa, going on five. We're averaging about 140 known professions of faith, children, teens. Every once in a while, there's a, a mom or a dad at a fast car that will get saved, uh, which is really cool. We had one uh, earlier in March, um, earlier in February, I guess it was. I don't know when it was. It was three or four fast cars ago, one of the moms raised her hand. And uh, you can see kind of an outline of where we go. Uh, we got a couple churches up there in Upper Michigan. Everybody else is in that perimeter where you see uh, the highways there. And uh, they're speckled throughout there. Uh, one of our latest new ones is in Mount Pleasant. So um, we have the west side, a bunch of, peop- bunch of churches up and down 131 and then branching off from there. And then we have a few churches over here on the east side. Uh, which we're trying to get the east side going again uh, in greater numbers. And, and then there's just that one church in Mount Pleasant in the middle. And so we're thinking, hey, that's a nice little start. It's a nice little treat to have a church there. And, so, um, and they're doing well. They're just starting with the material. They're going to start on the scholarship program next year and uh, start working that way. So uh, this part probably hasn't changed too much since the last time you saw us, but we're doing Nerf Wars and Fast Cars uh, for children, and uh, we had a Nerf War not too long ago. Seven kids got saved there at that Nerf War. Obviously, um, we did a fast car yesterday. I think there was three hands raised. Uh, then um, a week ago, there was three hands. There was one. The one it's a fourth or fifth one. So, I mean, they're starting to add up. Uh, and so we're just uh, faithful to go out and use our equipment uh, to go out and be able to share God's Word with young people and, uh, and so, yeah, we're doing about 10 children's events a year. And then uh, for the teens, we're doing, we do bigger things, but probably less often. One of them is the Slopstickle event, which is coming up uh, at Hickory Corners uh, in May, May 20th. Uh, we would love to get one of these started over here on the east side of the state. We're still uh, looking and praying for a partner church. And uh, so, um, go for it. Yeah, so uh, Pastor John has actually told me that the church might be interested in letting us uh, do that here and partner with us in that way. I should have said something to you before, but that's fine. It works out when it's all good, right? So, um, and you guys, and this would be an ideal spot. You've got the great uh, area back there to do it, and uh, we just got to work out details. And so, might not happen in 23, but probably in 24, and maybe we'll be looking to get a date on the calendar, and that'll just drive us to get it done. Um, so anyways, we also do Reverb, uh, which is a big event in November. Last year, we, this last November, we had 1,200 people in attendance. We had 70-some uh, respond to the gospel. It was a great night. A lot of people, uh, uh, a lot of other conversations beyond those that got saved, young people asking questions. And we're always trying to train other young people. So um, uh, young people who are more advanced in their faith, we, we find them and we try to train them more, right, in the, in, to respond to the gospel and to respond to certain questions in the Bible that young people are uh, worried about. And we try to then uh, get them paired up with other teenagers because a teenager will will respond to something and they'll come to me and they'll just shake their head and say yes to everything uh, that I say and they'll be agreeable, right? But to another teenager, they'll say, they'll start talking about the issues, right? And so when we can get more and more, really, the younger leaders, younger than even uh, Pastor Greg, 
but younger leaders and teenagers that can start to wade into some of these issues, and maybe they don't know the answer, but they're confident enough to talk about it and to turn people back to the Bible and then connect them with somebody like Pastor Greg or Pastor John. That works. And so um, that's another thing. It's kind of behind the scenes that we're trying to do, and uh, we're trying to get it to go. uh, we're, We're not just looking for numbers. That's what I'm trying to say. We're trying to get it to go deeper into people's lives and uh, we're trying all kinds of strategies to do that. And <clears throat> this is one of them, evangelism training. And we have our, our two goals over there. Every student hearing uh, the gospel from a student somewhere and every student in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And then we have uh, ongoing evangelism training. Uh, I schedule that when somebody wants that. I come out and do it. Or uh, this year in, near Allegan at a camp, we're going to do a three-day, four-day camp. Uh, on evangelism training. So you get to go to camp, uh, and we're going to talk about evangelism, we're going to train in evangelism, and we're actually going to go out into some of the smaller towns along Lake Michigan and talk to some people on the streets uh, with our teenagers. And so that's open to you guys. If you guys want to send a group over there to that, we're registering now. Uh, Just send me an email, and I can get you the link, and we'll be on that. Um, Why do we do all this? Well, Acts 1.8 is a verse that we use all the time. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses. This is Jesus talking. You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And that power is the power of the Holy Ghost coming upon you. Okay? This is the dunamis kind of power. This is the overcoming power. This is the power that God has that overcomes evil. That's going to come upon you. And you'll be Jesus' witnesses unto the uttermost part of the earth. So um, the Holy Ghost is involved there. Uh, we remind people. We, we teach young people. It's not us that saves people. It's not us that makes the difference. We just need to be the faithful tool that goes out and talks to people that uh, sort of, um, you know, I don't know if you want to call it a conduit or what you want to call it, but uh, just, you know, partnering with God, and that's not even accurate either, following God to go and reach somebody else and talk to them and get that conversation started in their life. And, uh, and so it's God in us or God with us that makes this happen. And it says, and it's Jesus saying, you will be witnesses unto me. Uh, we have a part to play. And so it's not somebody else's job. I'm sure uh, Pastor John uh, preaches about this from time to time. It's not somebody else's job. It's our job, Right. Uh, we're thankful that you support us. We're thankful that we can go out and, and be in the front lines of this. But without you also coming along and doing things, um, you know, I shared the gospel yesterday and we sent them back to their parents, right? And we sent the parents back to the leaders in the local assembly. This is where these children live. This is where they're going to get the answers from. God has it in all of our, in all of our view to help and do this, right? But it's very much a local church thing. And so we all have a part to play. Maybe our part is regional, but you know we have a local part as well, uh, Fran and I do. So in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost most part of the earth. And so, um, <clears throat> you know, most of you, um, uh, well, I've never been to Jerusalem. I'm sure some of you have, right? But uh, this is not telling me to go to Jerusalem and make disciples there, although I can, uh, it's telling me where am I, where am I now, where I'm at, 
Um, and then where my neighbors are and where anybody is. Okay, it's a concentric circle type of thing uh, that we can go out. Otherwise, the only people getting saved would be, uh, you know, in uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and uttermost part of the earth. And really, I don't feel like I live in the uttermost part. I'm in a pretty populated area, right? Um, and so it's where anybody is. Now, here's my breakdown um, of the fields that we work in. So South Africa's there. Uh, you can't contest that very much unless you've been there, but that's kind of what I saw. Uh, where we lived up there by Pretoria and Johannesburg, uh, that, the vibe there or the culture there was different than if you went further to the north. It was different than if you went to Durban and so on and so forth. And so when we would go to those different regions, we would have to do uh, the same gospel, the same message, but we'd have to do it in a different way. And we'd have to do it, we were trying to do it so that it matched the culture that was there. Uh, it was extremely valuable for us to uh, go somewhere and try to fit into the vibe, fit into uh, what's going on there, not say uh, some things that would be offensive, like um, if I were to go into Ohio and do an event, I wouldn't talk a lot, a lot about Michigan football, right? That would make a lot of sense, wouldn't it? Uh, because I want them to hear me about Jesus Christ, not fight with me about football, Okay. Uh, and so uh, I've got some lines here that, that I sort of feel like this is how Michigan splits up. Uh, you can argue with me on this. That's fine. Uh, this is not written in Scripture. And so this is totally debatable. But uh, for, for you guys, I think that the east side of the state is definitely different than the west side of the state. And just about everybody I know nods their head yes and says that. I personally would throw Lansing in with your side. Maybe you don't want them either. I don't know. Uh, but I know they're not like us, okay, on the west side. And um, I think maybe they're a little more like Detroit than they are like maybe Grand Rapids, something like that. Uh, and then, of course, as you go further north, somewhere around Mount Pleasant there, there's another line. And I get some agreement there, right? And then if you go further north into the UP, it's different again. So wherever I go, I want to try to uh, adjust the way that I say things. Hear me clear, clearly and carefully. The way that I say things, not necessarily what I say. The gospel is the same. It's not going to change, right? But the way we bring it across uh, is going to be different, okay, because of the different areas uh, that we go into. Now, if, I, if you're up north and you go fast like I'm going right now, they're not even going to listen to you. They're not, they just... They just don't want to go that fast, right? They're great people. They're smart people. They love their friends and their families and all that stuff, but they just don't go fast, right? For the most part, they don't. And so we're always looking for that culture match. We're always looking for that way to uh, kind of get in uh, to their world and then make a difference with the gospel. And the gospel obviously will transcend. So Here's a chart that I made up. I don't know if I've ever showed you this chart. I've been using it for quite a while. Uh, but if I have, it's been a while and you probably need to see it again. If I haven't, then it's new to you. Uh, but I just used the colors, uh, the primary colors in the color uh, chart and uh, put that together. And you can see where the colors come together that makes a third color or another color. So uh, red and yellow makes orange and blue and yellow makes green and etc. And so if we correlate that to one culture and another culture coming together, which would maybe be 
us in South Africa or us up north or us over here on the east side of the state, then where it crosses, where it overlaps, that's a green zone. And if we can get into that green zone, then we can have a conversation that we are all going to be able to relate to. If I'm, if I'm going to have a conversation from the far left side to a person who's on the far right side and we don't ever bring our cultures in together or we can't ever get into that green zone, we're going to be talking about apples and oranges or something like that, right? Uh, that would be a case of going into Ohio and talking about Michigan football first before uh, sharing the gospel, right? That would, be, that would separate us out. It wouldn't bring us together. And then, uh, you know, our message wouldn't be heard. And so uh, what my goal for today is, is to see how does Jesus relate to people in this kind of way, okay? And I believe Jesus does. I think we'll see that in uh, John chapter 4. So John chapter uh, 4, if you want to go there today, in the story of the woman at the well. John chapter 4, we're going to look at Jesus and what he does there with the woman at the well. Now, I know that you've heard this preached many times. Um, I don't know that um, you've ever heard it from this perspective. I'm not saying anything about other people that have preached it a different way. I agree with that, you know, usually what they say. Uh, but I have never heard anybody really talk about it from this light. And so uh, we know from history that the Samaritans and the Jews, they've got some background differences, don't they? Uh, they're bigoted towards one another, Right? Uh, have we seen that kind of thing in our country at all? I mean, they're talking about it all the time. And just when we think we get something settled, somebody kicks it back up again and we start rehashing it all. Bigoted towards one another, the Samaritans are Israelite-Assyrian crossbreeds, okay? So when the north fell, the Assyrians came and took over, and uh, they assimilated themselves into Israel in a way that would take those Israelites and try to turn them towards the culture of Assyria, okay? So they have Jewish backgrounds in there, but they also have Assyrian backgrounds in there. And the pure Jews, the Jews of Judea, didn't like them. I could say they didn't like them much, but they didn't like them at all. Uh, the Jews were holier than thou. They were um, even holier than their own selves, uh, practicing the law, and not really following God. They were making up rules and different things. You know how the Jews were. Uh, but it was their common practice in this conversation. Uh, let's note that it was their common practice to avoid one another. Uh, if a Jew wanted to go from Jerusalem up to Galilee, up to the north, they, they would typically not go through Samaria, which would have been a much shorter route. They would go over to the Jordan River, which would go around Samaria. They would go north, and then they would cut back over and go to Galilee or any of those places up there. They, they really tried not to be around each other. And Jesus recognized the similarities between the two rather than the differences. And there's something to be said there about recognizing similarities rather than differences. And so if you want to, you can find a difference between you and anybody else, basically, right? Uh, but... Sometimes you don't want to find a similarity, okay? And so uh, in our curriculum, we have a thing called Ask, Admire, and Admit, which is a tool towards starting a conversation 
which is uh, a tool to uh, bring up the gospel. It's really an attempt to kind of find a culture match. Uh, you ask somebody about themselves. You admire something that's about them. You know, and so, for example, if you're, uh, if you're talking to somebody and you find out they're Muslim, and uh, you find out they're a very devout Muslim, and they do their prayers every time they're supposed to do their prayers and all that, you can admire that they're faithful to what they believe. That doesn't mean you believe what they believe. It just means, wow, you're really faithful to that. You must really believe it, right? And then you can, that is the admire part. That's kind of a, a culture building part. That's a, uh, the green zone part, right? And then uh, you can go ahead and uh, start talking to them about the gospel. And then the admit is to, to get them to admit that they're a sinner and they need Jesus Christ, that Jesus is God. Uh, that's the gospel part. And so... Um, We'll see that Jesus looks for those similarities, not for the differences. Now, um, that ask, admire, admit thing is the thing that we use from Dare to Share, just so you know. I'm sure Greg's aware of that. Uh, we use that in our youth ministry all the time. Uh, but we'll see Jesus overlook these cultural differences in order to get into the heart of this Samaritan woman at the well. And so, uh, you know... When it comes to cultural differences and different things like that, maybe we don't think that that's such an impediment for us to be able to talk about the gospel to these people. But, you know, um, I'll just bear my heart to you right now, and I'll tell you, uh, I, I was an adult at not, when 9-11 happened. 9-11 hit me personally really hard. I just, you know, the people, uh, I was working in the factory then, and they were like, Wow, the plane, look what happened to that building when that plane crashed into it. That building's going to be, uh, you know, I wonder how many floors are going to burn. And they're talking about the building. And I was thinking, what about those people that are in there? You know, this is nine something in the morning. I forget what time it was. It was in the morning. And you know that there was people on that plane and there was people in that office, right? In all those floors. And then we saw the whole thing come down. And it, was, it just hit me a lot harder than it hit them. It was, to them, it was just kind of property because you couldn't see the people on the screen, right? And then uh, as the day went on, if you remember, people were deciding that it was better to jump off the building than to stay in there and burn to death. And that was just devastating. I mean, I, I, I'm having feelings now, right? And in, in my human uh, condition... Right? I equated that all back to the people who brought it. And, and, and I didn't want to be around them. Okay? And I have to fight that. I still fight that today. Uh, and so, I'm, like, I don't want to say I'm bigoted towards um, Muslims or towards people who would do something like that or from those places. But, you know, in reality, it's very difficult for me to be open to them. And I have to work on that. And I'm conscious of that all the time. And if I need to look for a green zone in there, it's going to be difficult, right? Um, and so I have to work on that. And we all have to work on that kind of stuff. But uh, in order to do that, I'm going to have to find the things, like it says there, uh, I'm going to have to find the similarities, right? There's a lot of Muslim people are great people, very moral people. Um, you know, a lot of them are doing good things and stuff like that. So... Have to look for the similarities, not the differences. 
Jesus treats the Samaritans well. Jesus' history on earth was kind and supportive to the Jews, uh, the rivals, the, the rivals of the Jews, uh, the Samaritans. Um, the next one tells us here uh, in Luke chapter 10, the parable of the Good Samaritan. It's the Good Samaritan, right? The Samaritans are people that Jewish people would not go to. They're, they're people that Jewish people hate. God's people hate these people. They wouldn't go there. They wouldn't help them. And the Samaritan in this parable is helping the person. The priest didn't help them, right? Uh, the Levite didn't help them. It was the Samaritan. The people that, that Jesus was talking to, is their, the people that they would not go to are the ones... Who helped. That's pretty significant to think about as we go through this conversation. They hated the Samaritans. And Jesus said, no, there's good things there. Here's a parable where this Samaritan helps the injured. Uh-oh. There we are. Okay. So in uh, Luke 17, the ten lepers... Okay, one of them was a Samaritan. And guess what? The Samaritan is the one that came back and was thankful. Again, Jesus is talking to the Jews, the, the religious elite of Israel. And um, this person that they wouldn't go to, this person that they wouldn't consider being worthy to come into their temple or come into their heaven or whatever, uh, that's the one who came back and said thank you. Okay. Jesus is looking for the similarities. He's looking for the good stuff. And it was that Samaritan's faith that saved him. Oh, Samaritans can get saved? Samaritans can come to heaven? Who is this guy that's telling us this stuff, right? Kind of the reaction that, that, that he was getting. And then um, in Acts 1.8, we saw the reference, right? Um, Judea and Samaria, Jesus is saying, this is Acts 1 8, it's just before he ascends back to heaven. He says, Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, right? He could have just said Judea. He could have said Judea and Galilee and assumed that they would have walked around to do that, right? He says, Judea and Samaria, and then uttermost part of the earth. So Jesus is telling his Jewish disciples to go where they would not normally go. The hated Samaritans are included in the calling. And so, you know, for me personally, uh, people of Middle Eastern descent are also part of the calling. They're part of the people that I'm called to serve. Uh, I don't have a large group of people uh, from the Middle East in my ministry at this time. I keep telling God, if you bring them, I'll do my best. I'll minister he must not think I'm ready yet, but uh, I think it's coming closer. And, uh, and so uh, these hated Samaritans are in the calling. Whoever it is that, you know, you have a problem being around, that you think, wow, you know, this, their culture just really clashes with mine, and I don't know if I want to share the gospel with them, and whew, going to spend eternity in heaven with them. Oh, man, you know, I mean, think of the alternative. Do you really want anybody to go to hell, <laughs> you know, and would it be better for you to be a little bit inconvenienced to have somebody that you're really not close to in heaven with you 
Well, it wouldn't be an inconvenience because if they trust Jesus Christ for their salvation and the Holy Spirit comes upon them like they did you, like he did you, you're going to be brothers and sisters in Christ and you're going to build a relationship. All right? And it's going to get better. And uh, just think if we all did that, you know, what would happen? So Jesus treats women well too. And this was something that uh, didn't happen uh, in that culture either. Jewish men didn't talk to Jewish women. Uh, Jewish men didn't talk to any women. And uh, they had to stay separate and stuff like that. But I'm going to choose this time to read through this passage. And uh, <clears throat> so John chapter 4, uh, starting in verse 3. He left Judea and he departed again to Galilee. He must needs go through Samaria. Okay, And then verse 5. Uh, he cometh to a city in Samaria which is called Sychar near a parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Okay, so there's some history there, right? Now, this is going to be important later. Now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour, so midday. And there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy food or to buy meat. And then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that you, being a Jew, asked a drink of me, which is a woman of Samaria, and the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans? So he's saying, she's saying to him, you, that's two strikes right there. A, I'm a woman. B, I'm a Samaritan. Why are you talking to me? Like, this is really weird. Don't you hate me like all the other Jewish people do? Um... Aren't you restricted from talking to me like all the other Jewish men are? She doesn't know who she's talking to yet. Verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that says to thee, Give me to drink, thou would have asked him, and he would have given thee living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob? Okay, we're coming closer to the point here. Are you greater than our father Jacob, which gave us this well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? So right there she's saying, my relatives drank from this well. My relatives gave us this well. Right? Keep remembering that. Jesus answered and said to her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give shall never thirst but the, uh, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him the well of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman, she starts to figure out some stuff, right? She says unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst, neither, uh, that I thirst, neither come hither to draw. And Jesus uh, said to her, Go call your husband. And then the husband conversation happens, right? And, of course, Jesus cuts right through that one. Uh, and then uh, let's move down to verse 21. Jesus says to her, Woman, believe me, the hour comes when neither uh, this mountain or yet the mountain in Jerusalem. Um, I should have went to 20. Our fathers, she says, our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And you say that Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. And then Jesus says, Woman, believe me, the hour comes when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet in Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what we worship. Uh, what we do know, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour comes, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in the spirit and the truth, and the Father seeketh such to worship him. 
in spirit and truth, okay, not based on our ethnic origins, right? And, and God is the spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah comes, which is called Christ. When he has come, I will tell us, he will tell us these things. And Jesus said to her, I that speak to you am he. Okay? A little bit to unpack there. A uh, certain, certain uh, way to go through the scripture that I'm trying to emphasize today. But she came to the point where she realized Jesus was different, that Jesus was the Messiah. And he said, he confirmed that he was the Messiah. But here we are. You're asking me questions. Right? You're not supposed to be asking me questions. Jesus is looking for these similarities. Where does the living water come from? Uh, she's figuring out that he's different. Are you, fa- are you greater than our father, Jacob? Okay, you remember Jacob, right? Twelve sons, one of them's Joseph. They go into uh, Egypt. They come back out, go through the Red Sea, wander in the desert, end up back in the Promised Land. From there, um, you know, this is really fast forward. You get into all the kings and everything, and then keep going. The, the, the kingdom is divided, <clears throat> and then it's the time of Jesus there. Are you, father, are you greater than our father Jacob? You know, well, guess who also has the father of Jacob, who's also a relative is, of Jacob is Jesus, right? And she mentions the father Jacob, and this is my favorite part of the whole sermon, and bam, right? Bam, the culture match is born. It was always there, but now it will be recognized by the Samaritan woman, okay? And... Uh, I always wanted to do that, since, but I don't have a cooking show, and I don't, know how to, I don't know how to cook, and that guy would bam this and bam that, and I wanted to bam, so I put that in there. Bam! The culture match is born. It's always been there, but now recognized by the Samaritan woman. Hey, we've got something in common. That green zone has now been developed. Okay, remember the chart that I showed you. His culture and her culture is now overlapped, and they've recognized where that overlap is. Okay? And of course, Jesus is God. He says, culture matching played a role. Jesus loved her. Uh, through all the differences and faults, the reverence to the husbands in that conversation, in the place of worship conversation, like he took her through all that stuff, and Jacob was the thread that ran between it. The Samaritan woman found the Messiah. Verse 25 and 26. And now in her common culture, okay, now get this. She's in the green zone. She's found the Messiah, and she's believed him. And now in her uh, Samaritan culture, because she's a Samaritan, and that's where she lived, that's how she grew up, and she, in her Samaritan culture, now she goes back to the people in the city in Samaria where she lives, and she starts talking about this. Okay? So any normal Jew that's coming from Israel, that's coming through there, that hasn't uh, made a culture match, hasn't found somebody, or, or hasn't made a culture match with all these people, she's already got the culture match with all these people. And she's going bam, bam, bam all over the place, right? She is just telling people about Christ. I found this guy. He's the Messiah. He told me about my life. He's done all this stuff. And... You know, he's not looking down on me, basically is the message. He's not treating me like the Jews treat us. And she believed, and now they're believing. And then, 
To me, this part here is crazy. They stayed in Samaria two days. Verse 40, if you want to go forward and look at it. They stayed in Samaria two days. Okay, so Jesus, fine. We could think of him doing that, right? He's Jesus. All of his disciples that are with him, they're like, you know, wow, we didn't really want to come through Samaria in the first place, but we're following Jesus. And he said, I must needs go through Samaria. So here we are. And now we're staying two days. Wow. You know, he's bringing them through some stuff too. He's showing them the same thing. These are the people who are going to take over the church. They're going to run the church when Jesus leaves, right? And now they're going through this, this experience with him. And they stay there for two days and they relate to people. And many more believed and they believed because they came and met him. First they believed on the testimony of the woman. Let me go back and say that. First they believed because of the testimony of the woman. And then they went and saw for themselves. Okay. And they believed in him. So it went further, deeper in their faith. Right. Today maybe we'd say. I believe uh, by your testimony that this is, you know, I'm going to trust Christ. And then you uh, come to the church and you start looking at God's word and you start growing. And we could say it this way, your belief grows. You begin to believe now because of what you're learning rather than what you first heard in someone's testimony or in their witness. Right? Or in that track that you got that you responded to or whatever. Right? Faith grows. Okay? And they were growing, and they were seeing Jesus, and they were seeing him for themselves, and they weren't rejecting him. They were coming to him. The belief became in Christ. Okay? The hated Samaritans were getting saved. Wow. You know? Wow. So has this ever happened in our ministry? Well, it has happened a few times in our ministry. Uh Here's a picture of our Chinese kids, uh, Arthur and Lucy. Uh, before, before we knew you guys, we were in Africa, and um, we call them our Chinese kids. We got this call, um, and it was, I, I'll, I won't do a Chinese accent for you, but it was basically in a Chinese, thick Chinese accent. We want to learn more about working with youth and uh, teenagers, and we heard that you can train us. Can you train us? And we said yes. Okay? And... It turned into a weekly Monday night meeting where we were taking them through our material, showing them how to use it. It was very much us telling them things more times than normal because of the, the, their English was a lot less than it is now. And um, we were just, they were growing, right? Uh, and eventually, within about a year and a half, they had a youth group going. Some of these kids, these kids got saved and they got baptized. That's what this picture is, on the day of their baptism. So Arthur and Lucy are there. Lucy's by Fran. Arthur's over there on that side, and I'm on the other side. And these, these Chinese speaking, uh, the, the kids also speak English, but some of their parents don't. Um, but they had that Chinese culture and everything. Uh, and in China, um, the official religion is there is no God. And so um, the church is a little more underground and stuff like that. And so they were a, a product of that culture. Arthur and Lucy believed, but they believed more. The more we taught them, they believed and they believed and their faith grew, right? And now, today, they are the ones who have taken over Word of Life South Africa and are the directors there. And so, uh, you know, that green zone that we developed in our living room on Monday nights grew 
in the first in the beginning just very slowly and um and we developed a relationship with them and helped them grow and and did those things and so in the spirit of acts 1 8 we're taking the gospel across the street across the state across the world uh this mission uh today is just as it was in christ's day and this is really uh when you look at what christ did with the with the woman at the well, it was very, yeah, I think it's very similar to what happened between us and Arthur and Lucy. I was a little bit scared of Chinese people. Just being human, right? Okay, but we went through it, and God gave us some good friends. We now call them our Chinese children. That's how close they are to us, and, um, and we love them dearly, and we help them. We still converse with them on um, Zoom and stuff like that uh, on a regular basis, and so... That's going on. It happened another time when I was doing some training uh, out away from Johannesburg, and I was uh, discipling a guy named Spoo. His name is Sibonella. We call him Spoo. And uh, we went out to do this training, and we had several modules that we were going to do on this day to start this new youth group up. And I was going to teach the first module. Spoo was teaching the second, and I was going to teach the third, and so on and so forth. I had them all laid out on PowerPoint just like this. And we were just going to teach through it and get this youth group started, right? So I taught my first lesson, and all the leaders that we were trying to train, they were, you know, young adults, um, late teenager, early 20-ager young adults uh, that were going to run this youth group at this little church. It was, you know, like out there. It was, it was rustic, okay? And uh, I taught, and they all smiled and nodded their head and said yes I at the end I said do you have any questions they said no everything was done we switched over Spoo took over and they they said something to him in Zulu <coughs> excuse me and so he started talking Zulu to him and then the the room just lit up they started talking back and forth with him I assumed they were asking questions because they would say something and he would say something and I was sitting in the back like, what's going on here? And so I asked him after that, I said, what happened? He says, well, uh, in, in their culture, it's impolite for them to ask you, an older man, any questions. Like, it's just not in their culture. They won't do it. But when I got up there and we started talking Zulu, speaking in Zulu, they could, because Spoo was much younger than I am, they could ask me, and they were more comfortable in their Zulu language, and I was like, dude, culture match. You are right in their culture. I haven't developed that green zone yet. This was my first time seeing these people, right? Although they did call us. But Spoo was right in their culture already. He was already acceptable to them. And he started, and he did all the rest of the modules that day. And we started that group. And that group has been going on ever since. I don't know what would have happened if I would have just, you know, proudly said, no, I'm the teacher and I'm going to teach this. I don't know what would have happened. Because I, I just tried to follow the Lord's direction and I stopped and let him do it. Right? This culture match thing is a big deal. And so uh, as we get for, go forward, you know, <clears throat> we think about uh, verses like this, you know. There's no difference between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is rich unto all that call upon him. The same Lord is rich unto all that call upon him. It doesn't say people that are like me. It says all that, are, that will call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
How then shall they call on him on whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? And for me, how will I get the message through if I don't find a way into their culture? Right? So we, in Africa, we just started finding people that we could have a personal relationship with that wanted to learn, and we started discipling them. We started sending them out to the churches, and our ministry went from like 13 churches to 126 in like, what, eight years, six years? Probably six years because it was a little while before we discovered this. Just trying to follow God, okay? It was not me. It was not me at all. It was God bringing his word to me and saying, do this. You know, do it this way. Follow the pattern. And so, uh, you know, that's very much what I see happening around here. Um, Getting into events and stuff for teenagers, getting into events for children, getting into grief sharing for uh, people that are having, uh, you know, grief issues, losing a spouse or a child or whatever. Getting into, I see um, a men's ministry out there. You're, you're looking in there and you're trying to find people that will come and they'll identify with that group. That's the green zone. And you're going to be able to minister to them there and hopefully grow them then to, you know, be a part of the church in general. And to be one of those soldiers that goes out and tries to also find other people to get into one of the green zones, right? And that's what we do. And you, it seems to me like you're doing that very well here, Pastor. And I want to I commend you on that. I can see it. I can see that this church is one that's going to grow, that is growing, I think. And, uh, and that has a prominent place in this area. And has for 125 years. Is that cool? Yeah. Prominent place in this area uh, to do God's work and to reach the people around you. Let's, let me pray, and I think I've probably gone over, but uh, hopefully this was valuable to me. Yes? Okay. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the opportunity that we have uh, just to share your word, to be a part of what's going on here, Lord, to um, bring this little aspect that uh, we have used and utilized from your word to these people. Lord, we want to praise you and give you thanks today. And Lord, uh, we just love you. In Jesus' name, amen. And we want to thank you for your support for us going back to South Africa. Oh, yeah. We're excited to do that in the end of June, beginning of July. And we're just thankful for all that you've done and given to us and the prayer support you've given to us. The little basket last night. And thankful for the basket and the hotel we could stay in last night. Mm -hmm. We're just thankful for all that you do for us. All right. Well, we are so excited for these guys being here today. So uh, we are going to have a time of invitation. So if you go ahead and stand with us, uh, we're going to have a time of response. And we want to encourage you a couple things. Uh, Number one, if you know Christ and you have been feeling that pressure to share Christ with someone, but there's some some boundaries that you feel like you can't get through, difference of personality, culture, beliefs, whatever. Maybe you want to come this morning and pray, Lord, give me the strength to to get through that, to share your faith with those individuals, to see them as you see them, as loved ones that you desire to come to know Christ. And so maybe you'd come and pray for that wisdom and strength. But secondly, if you don't know Christ this morning, you've never received Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, what an amazing time to do that, to realize that we've all sinned, we've all fallen short. 
He died on the cross for our sins, was buried and rose again. And anyone who professes faith in Christ can be saved. It doesn't matter your background, your ethnicity, where you're from, where, what's going on in your life right now. You can come to know Christ if you just repent of your sins and believe and trust in Christ. And so we're going to ask you at this time to respond as we spend some time in worship this morning as we sing. So let's sing in the song of worship and invitation. And you respond this morning as the Lord leads.